It's pretty good. Well, I know that's that's a <laughs> that's not an accurate count. Wait, is that not a real number? <laughs> no. It's like multiply out by Oh man! But actually, <laughs> I was laughing. I was like, "How's he? What's the answer going to be?" I feel like it's not a good secret to share. I'm just gonna no, wait yeah. in the back no, end. That'll that'll be edited out, <laughs> or it'll be the beginning. Yeah. No, I feel like. Welcome to Startup Gym, a show about the hard work coaches, and community that go into building a company. Our startup gym is Science Inc., an incubator and venture studio in Los Angeles. Today's episode is with Pop Inc., the science portfolio company behind the apps FilterPop, a third-party marketplace for Snap Filters, and StickerPop, a new stickers marketplace for messaging. The co-founders, Alex and Connor, exemplify the spirit of company growth down to a science, constantly building and improving, and they have an amazing company culture. We had a great time talking about it. Let's get into it. Our ideas. No, but what like a special episode where it's like, uh, it's just people talking about how they met him. That's it. A special episode that's people, how they met Peter. Yeah. It's always like a weird ways. Like the lane dancing in South by Southwest. Me was because of Product Hunt and he sent me a message on Twitter. Wait, so you posted on Product Hunt and then he reached out? Yeah. What, what is that story? How, how does that story go? Like. So you were working on Filter Pop. Yeah, but before that, it was like called Geofilter Place. Oh, okay. And then um, I I guess I posted it on Product Hunt once. Okay, so you posted they, on Product Hunt. They actually did really well in there. And then he sent me a note on Twitter. We said that they wow. were looking for something in the space. So I guess they wanted something Snapchat related. And he's just like introduced me to L to meet Mike. Wow. That's like super organic. Yeah. I, I love that science like does that. Like reaches out. Or, or takes cold outreach and it's just super like meeting Delane on the dance floor. Yeah. I almost wonder if like you find better quality people that way. Cause like, it's like more natural. Like you get by just re- reaching like, out not, online. It's not like overly professional. Yeah. Just because like, if you're uh, like applying to what's it, something, maybe you're like very serious and you're not really being you. Okay. So then, so then that's how you got to science. Yeah. How did how did you guys meet? Because Connor, you were working at Science at the time. I was. Yeah. How did you end up? Well, let's take a step back. How did you end up at Science in yeah. general? And then. So it, it uh, surprisingly was not through Peter Fam, uh, nor on the dance floor. Yeah, exactly. Actually, mine was a, a bit more uh, traditional, I guess, in that it, it was me looking for a job and, and looking um, pretty much a year out of college, looking to figure out my way in the startup world and tech and knowing that's the the world that I wanted to dive into. Why? And, uh, Why'd you want to dive into that world? Well, so I guess backing up even and Was year, it right year, out of college? It wasn't right out of college. So actually I worked in entertainment for a bit. Okay. So uh, summers after college, I was in uh, like media and production and entertainment. I worked on the set of a couple independent films, um, worked as a page at The Late Show with Dave Letterman and that's what I did immediately after college uh and decided that i you know i liked media but but that it kind of as an industry moves slow and and that tech and and startup was somewhere where you can just totally the opposite totally the opposite exactly (laughs) kind of so much opportunity right from the get-go and an opportunity to learn and learn fast by doing um so then you reached out to science. I reached out to science through a connection that I had out in LA. And this is after moving from the East Coast. Uh, 
And so really within a month of getting here, I met uh, one of the partners at Science, um, you know, met him. He was looking to bring in somebody to help uh, basically help as, as kind of a utility player on all the companies he was working on. And so... Cool. So you were part of like the core science team in the early days. Yeah. Um, it was probably about nine months into wow. Science's own like science itself was a startup mm-hmm. essentially and those were the dollar shave days dollar dollar shave club dog vacay so it was an exciting time and, and for me in particular you know pretty young pretty new to the scene seeing somebody like dollar shave club where they grow from maybe three people when i the first week i started to 25 people in, in a span of three to six months and then go out out the door i remember back when they were playing uh they were playing like kung fu fighting or something every time they got a sale and it was just like constantly going in the <laughs> office um but then through through my own like you know my own journey just getting kind of thrown into different things and having to figure it out and that was kind of like you know the foray into startup mm-hmm. life um working on like a food startup initially that you know didn't end up panning out but just all like the learnings there so um, so what what did you see in these older companies or companies that have already had an exit and sure. have been really successful? Is there anything you saw in the early days that gave you confidence that they would be successful? I think with those companies, you could really, I mean, the, the founders of those companies were yeah. incredibly passionate. The people that they brought in around them were incredibly strong. So then what did you see in Pop? I mean, it is this guy, you know? Yeah. Um, that for me, it was a, we, Alex and I met in science. Uh, I was working for science. I had been for five years. I was actively talking with Mike about what my next role was going to be. Um, you know, at the time I was managing science growth labs. So the, the marketing arm, um, and, and really wanted to get more product focused and just more focused in general, work on a startup, try and scale a startup. And, uh, had the opportunity of meeting Alex while here. We were, sitting like two desks away from each other um, and just for one seeing his work ethic mm-hmm. uh, understood that he puts everything into the company and yeah. leaves everything on the table and then uh, understanding how smart he is like I, so you know Mike was actually the person who um, it, it was his idea he, he said when I was looking around for kind of like what's going to be next um, he said hey you know Alex is is single-handedly like showing a lot of traction and doing very well um but was i think it just he, you at that time just oh so, yeah, yeah and i was like manually fulfilling oh, snapchat filter orders it was the worst process i mean it was i think like i was doing like 60 to like eighty thousand a month in filter orders manual which meant like people it was like this really terrible wordpress website at first so people would fill in a form and tell me what to write on the filter i would manually edit the graphic then email it back to them and what looked like an automated email uh-huh. was just me. Wow. So then yeah. how did you build an app around it? So Filter Pop was the first app that Pop Inc. created. We'll get into Sticker Pop later. But first, just to kind of like chronologically go through the story. How did you, how did you go from you manually doing all this to having your own app? Yeah, so first I made the, the first website was Geofilter Place. Mm-hmm. That was the one that was just a kind of bad WordPress site that somehow worked. And then I actually stopped focusing on it for a while because Snapchat introduced a creative tool and I thought that would kill the business. Hmm. But I think that actually... How did you market it, by the way? Sorry to interrupt. How did you market Geofilter Place? I think I just spun up some Google ads, but I didn't know how to do it, but it worked. I remember like when I was like spending my own money 
I was like worried. I was like, all right, if I lose like fifty dollars a day, I'm gonna just quit this. And then it's just like at first I did, but then it started working. So I think, but it made money within like a couple hours. I think of being live. Wow. Like I went to sleep and woke up, and then there was already that's nice. orders. I remember it was actually the order was really nearby. It was like a Malibu Vineyard or something. Yeah. Have you yeah. been? Have you been there since? Have you seen if the filter is still there? <laughs> no, because <laughs> I think I placed the order. Check it out. <laughs> I should go find the very first filter. But then what happened after that? So I took a break when I thought Snapchat's tool was just going to kill it, but it, all it did was raise awareness. Hmm. So like in the middle of that, I was trying to build an agency that was focused on Snapchat. Then somebody with a huge Pinterest following posted a bunch of the wedding filters on Pinterest. And it drove an insane amount of traffic to the GeoFilter Place site. So it's like I have to figure out how to automate this a little bit. So it became a drag and drop builder. So I no longer had to make filters. It's like people designed it themselves and they automatically compressed the images and stuff like that. And that was, that's when it became filter pop. Okay. I thought like a cool way to grow it would be to make it a marketplace where any artist could sell graphics. It's like any artist could start selling filters on filter pop and make money. So then that's around the same time when you joined. Yeah, exactly. Um, I joined... Was the transition to like the artist marketplace filter pop? I think that was like three or four months before. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was pretty much January of 2017 is when uh, filter pop became a thing, like the website. Mm-hmm. And then, because it was like in June of last year. Yeah. I think. Yeah. May, June is when we basically started the transition. And at that point, actually, it was more so when Alex got, got it in the point of automation uh, and was starting. And so the first... And we were actually just starting the app at that point. I think that we mainly started thinking about the app when uh, Snapchat gave us API access. So we got that pretty early on. I think that was in April of 2017. Hmm. How do you work with a big company like Snap that I feel like for a lot of entrepreneurs who are building something and have a small team and want to work with a big company tend to be nervous that that company can just build what they're building Mm -hmm. and and choose not to work with them but instead sidestep them how did you think through that as you were deciding to work with them i guess it never really crossed my mind that they would clone us like or i mean i guess i knew they they already did i guess we just built a better tool than they had or not a better Mm -hmm. it's just a different tool different Um, in what way i think we just have more creative tools (laughs) i mean uh there's even like really subtle things in our app that you can't do on their app, or maybe you can now, which are uh, making text have like a glitter effect or drop shadows. Uh, they wouldn't let you add photos or illustrations, and we let you do stuff from a camera roll. And I think a lot of it came down to us being able to us doing user acquisition mm-hmm. on Facebook and Instagram with something uh, like that they would obviously never do. Right. That well, and also. I think it's it's kind of this theme of like doing a bunch of things that don't scale that like they're not going to go and, and do all of those different kind of like paths of UA. But you also you were building the filters yourself at the beginning. So like you knew what were the features that would be cool and like how to build different features that Snapchat didn't have. Yeah, I mean, someone that worked there said that I probably knew filters better than anybody else because I placed like yeah. 5,000 filter orders or something like that manually. Your nickname is the, the filter Don. Yeah. So. I, it makes I, sense. I think the reality too is that uh, we you kind of can use the small your smallness to an advantage because you can move faster. And so Snapchat has more. Uh, somebody the size of Snapchat just has more moving pieces. It can't necessarily iterate as quickly as we can. Um, 
because there's more red tape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. I feel like I felt some employees there gave us ideas that they thought wouldn't get implemented there just because they want to see what would happen, which I thought was like kind of interesting. <laughs> so you were like the like test use case or the stuff that like all the stuff yeah. that they wanted but we're, couldn't actually get into. Yeah, yeah. I think people would give us ideas that like if we thought about it, they would probably never implement. But we could just try it and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So talk, tell me about the transition from having one app to two. Yes. So and we can start that with what is your second app? Yes. So the second app is Sticker Pop. The Sticker Pop is a spin out of a feature from Filter Pop. So we put stickers inside of Filter Pop and we saw that a lot of people started subscribing. Uh, then they could also use the stickers on iMessage. And that was done so that we could make our business not solely dependent on Snapchat. Yeah. So there was two ways to use our app. Uh, and that worked pretty well. So we realized that we should spin it out into its own app. Got it. Yeah. Um, why stickers? Like, what? Why did you initially put stickers into stick into Filter Pop? Other than platform risk of Snapchat, like, why specifically stickers? It just seemed like a really easy addition. <laughs> That's just no like easy to implement. It's pretty easy. I guess I've seen that it like how well it does in Asia. I thought mm. that was just really interesting that it hasn't really been... Right, so apps like Line and WeChat and... Yeah, I mean, Line, I think, makes like $300 million a year just selling stickers. Just on stickers. It doesn't even include that they have like movies, TV shows, like all these things coming out. I mean, they have stores everywhere. I think they have a coffee shop chain based off of characters. Characters that are stickers. Yeah. I mean, Line is basically a $10 billion company built off of stickers. Yeah. That is like their business. So stickers are their core business? Because they're a messaging app, right? Line? Yeah, but I, I believe that they make most of their money but from the But they make stickers. money from the stickers. Are there any other trends that you're seeing in Asia that are interesting, just in general, in like the app space? Just photo editing. Photo editing? It's like making your skin smoother. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, like this like insane face trend. And stuff? Yeah. Well, I guess that's here. I don't, yeah, because the, the app there, Snow but... does really well there. Which one? It's called Snow. Snow. Okay. Snow was just a straight copy of Snapchat. Yeah, I was about to say. Didn't they then they took out all the features for sending... And just kept the face filters and things like that. Wow. So that's now, really interesting. And then you just send it to other apps. That's almost like a, a, an inverted Instagram. Yeah. Where it's like, because Instagram started off with the focus around filters and like personal use and then created social and the rest is history. That sounds like the opposite. Like they, So they took out sending and they made it just like an editing app. Yeah. Is, is there any editing in your apps? Yeah, there's a little bit. So we have like the selfie feature. Mm-hmm. Where you can just use your camera to take pictures uh, or make gifts, so similar things to that. What's your process for adding features like this stuff? So you see something, maybe it's a trend in Asia, or maybe it's like something that your team thinks of, or you see from your users. How do you implement it? What's your process for like new things? <laughs> we just try it. I mean, I think it's. Imp- I almost feel like it's important for early stage companies not to have a roadmap and just hmm. every week to see what works. Because I've seen some companies where they have maybe roadmaps for three to six months out but they don't have any users yet i was like that doesn't really make any sense to me like you don't know what people want yet you shouldn't be planning for six months away Mm -hmm. just keep checking your data what's your relationship like with creators how do they find you how do you find them what are they providing for sticker pop and how do they get paid out i mean i found people a lot of ways i think actually one of the best ways is answering questions on quora okay uh i just go answer like people asking how do i sell stickers on line or whatever app i just funnel them into our marketplace um i'll do a lot of cold outreach on dribble i don't know it's not, it hasn't been too difficult and we have like a pretty cool partnership with tumblr 
where they're going to start referring us artists in the next week or so. Oh, wow. That's an awesome partnership. Yeah. You guys have a lot of awesome partnerships. (laughs) That we we do. That you either already have or are in the pipeline and working on. Yep. What are some that you can talk about? Some others that you can, that are uh, not still secret. Mm. (laughs) That's like a, (laughs) what are some? We did a good one with Verizon uh, in June that uh will pick back up in august where we're in their app their the verizon app they have a promo section called verizon up uh which has pretty prominent partners that we're next to and and so basically it's offering a month free and there will be one going live in august that i don't know if we can quite disclose what (laughs) (laughs) so i want to talk a little bit about the company i want to change gears to you have some values that i saw on you know your website and elsewhere uh color is that still is that still a thing oh yeah that is still a thing okay so i want to go through each and um what are some common things that startups get wrong in trying to achieve these values and what have you done to implement them so uh c-o-l-o-r color and the first one c is creatives first so what advice would you give for startups that want to put creatives first just don't be too greedy. Yeah. I think that's it. To actually do it. <laughs> right. So that's like money. Like you, for for lack of a better term, it's like giving them it's, what it's they need to support themselves. It's money and then also themselves. support too. Yeah. And so making sure that we're, we're very quick to answer any questions they have, giving them any tools that they need to succeed, uh, making it an easy process on their side, uh, and, and just a streamlined, fun process for them. Also, like when I, when I design a product, I always think, how does this product help our creators? Hmm. So we go back to that. So if, if I can't think of a reason why it helps them, then it's probably not a good fit for that. Right. Then it's out of focus to the values. Yeah. So the second value is overserve. How do you overserve? I think that goes back to customers and creators. So that's just, right. uh, you know, anybody we're working with and, uh, that's, that really is just how you should do business. You should always aim to overserve and and uh, do the best you can. You know, it's it's kind of that mentality. In uh, and so that stems from product to customer support to uh, you know everything we're doing in our business. Mm-hmm. Just go, yeah, just doing more than what people expect. Learn fast. We kind of talked about this a little bit, but how do you learn? Also, how do you like? execute on what you learn i want to add that to that sure learn fast i mean that it's it's exactly what you said so it's being data driven learning from your mistakes i think you have to remember to remove features when you're learning fast too i know a lot of companies will just keep features that don't work in and then add more Hmm. (laughs) i think like you get too attached to what you built so you become like a like a feature hoarder yeah just old features i think like part of learning fast is not just adding new stuff but also removing that keeps it fun too yeah. For like for the user. I like that. I think in a startup too, it also is like, you know, part of our team environment. Like we all are learning on, you know, different people are learning on the job and learning uh, as as they go and as we go into new places. So, yeah, so you're like learning constantly yourselves, yeah. learning yourselves Individually. And, and evolving and growing. What's something you guys have learned recently? Oh, man. Yeah. Just to throw in a little so, sub question so right there. How would yeah. I learn? Yeah, exactly. Uh, this year is, uh, I've learned an insane amount. I've learned a lot about finance. I thought I knew a lot about venture finance. Yeah. And I learned a lot, but now I still feel like I don't know anything. Like the process of a venture or? Yeah. 
even though like we've gone through it, it still seems a little bit mysterious. Yeah. The process of raising money. That's definitely not something that people come to the table having known. I mean, one thing I've thought about a lot recently that I learned is it's important not to be too frugal. I think early on, maybe hmm. I was a bit frugal. I guess our whole point is to take risks or calculate it. So don't like go yeah. blow all of our money. Yeah, but calculate like, it out. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I guess I've seen a lot of companies where they don't buy the right equipment for their employees to be successful, things like that. So I think like making sure everybody has the software, like computer, everything they need is important. Hmm. It's like, I guess we never really did that, but it's just, it's just like a learning. Yeah, it's like investing like, in your team. I guess it's like more of an observation. Yeah, investing in your, your own company. I, th- yeah. I think learning the uh, the hiring process just because we own yeah. every part of it. Um, so I, really with every hire, we learn, you learn so much about like, oh, I maybe should have done that, should have done a couple other things, even though I think we've made some amazing hires and I'm, I couldn't be happier with like the team around us. Like, uh, I they just, you learn so much through every hire for every key role. Cause every role is so key and totally in the startup. I have, a, I have a follow-up question to that about hiring, but I'm going to table it for now to get through the last uh, couple letters of color, bringing it back full circle. O for open communication. I think that one kind of is self-explanatory, like keep lines of communication open. Mm-hmm. But what are ways that you communicate with your team? Like very tangibly, very specifically, how how do you keep communication open? I mean, the obvious thing is just Slack, but there's more than that, <laughs> which is like, uh, what is it? Is I think being giving everybody access to like Mixpanel that wants it, things like that. Because I've noticed to the to all of your like data and all dashboards. Data, yeah. wow. I think that's really important, especially on the engineering front, because. I think often engineers build stuff and they don't understand the impact that they're having on the company. Mm. And if they're understanding how what they do drives the company forward, I think they'll be happier, like more excited. Because I, I don't know, I think it's like interesting if I go to an engineer yeah. at another company, I'm like, how many users do you have? And they're like, I don't know. They're like, I don't know. That's the, like, that's, that's the data guy's job. No, that's yeah. a really good idea. R, respect time. What does that mean? So, I mean, that's respecting each other's time and, you know, making sure that you're being efficient and effective, um, as a team member and a teammate and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in how you're working with, with one another, um, just, I think it's, it's again, kind of self-explanatory respect each other's times, but just make sure that you're, you're, uh, taking initiative and not necessarily wasting time. So I always think about unnecessary meetings too. Yes. Because this kind of stemmed from the last place where I worked. There were just so many unnecessary meetings. Yeah. And I was like, that's not efficient. Like if you're having whatever, three hours of meetings a day, they don't need to have this like three hours of lost work. Because you're not really progressing that much as a company while you're sitting in a room talking. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. So you have your values. Create us first, overserve, learn fast, open communication, respect time. How do you find people to hire that fit those values? Like we just got it lucky. That's not a, the right. I don't think it's that. luck. I think I think you guys have done a really good job. Like <laughs> clearly, I mean, like I sit right next to you guys yeah. in the office. Like your team is like really solid in terms of culture. Like it just everyone is a good culture fit. Yeah, and that doesn't happen by accident. So I'm curious, you know, how you guys have been able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think finding finding candidates is always tough. Yeah. Kind of sourcing the candidates and and um, angel list 
it actually worked out pretty well for us and then and it's still us kind of like reaching out and that wasn't an ad by the way yeah Yeah, we already (laughs) mentioned product (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) vision products on any angel list i'm gonna have this company wouldn't exist without product nine please go to angelist.com today to get more (laughs) yeah uh i think our check's in the mail yeah right so, uh, I mean, I think from a candidate perspective, you know, it's, it's always tough finding, finding the right candidates. And we were lucky enough to go through the process of, of several times, basically, uh, finding the right people via, you know, Angelus and some, some channels that we, we looked through. And, and then it just boils down to, um, you know, feeling, like they're the right fit for the job in the in the interview process and uh you know for from a technical standpoint from a cultural fit um getting to know them beyond just their technical abilities trying to as much as you can when you're meeting someone for mm-hmm. several hours uh and in every case i think we we just felt we like almost really from the first interview but then through the entire process felt that the person was was a good fit and a natural fit and kind of felt felt a spark you know it's like dating almost <laughs> i feel like so, you can tell within like the first couple of minutes you can yeah like i think you just have to go off gut feeling if there's like any doubt immediately it's not a good fit it's the gut feeling is really important yeah for sure so what's next for you guys yeah so the biggest thing is not having any reliance on user acquisition uh, like paid user acquisition mm-hmm. i think organic growth is the only thing that matters it's like if you can't figure out how mm-hmm. to get people to organically talk about your product you probably don't have a good product sure so you need like a product worth talking about how do you make that transition though because you guys are doing such a great job with paid acquisition like it seems like when you spend it works and as you were saying earlier like you don't want to be too frugal how and why do you make that transition to focusing on organic growth I don't necessarily think it's a transition. Uh, and I think the, the thing about paid growth is it's, it's great and it can be predictable and it, but it, it is at the same time kind of linear growth. And so to mm-hmm. get, uh, you know, just that rapid, uh, accelerated growth that, that kind of everybody wants as a startup, you, you have to get some level of organic and, and viral lift. And so it's not necessarily a transition. It's more about right now we're, we're doing both, uh, and we're, we're actively just really focused on driving that organic growth and getting to the point. And then we, as a team, I think feel like just can, can feel us getting, getting there and getting yeah. and trending in the right direction. It's, it's cool to see. That's cool. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. I mean, I feel like we almost purposely don't go crazy scaling right now too. I think we just really have to nail the viral aspect down because you only have one shot to get a user. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think we have to make sure we have really, really strong retention. Uh, what's your favorite sticker pack on the app? That's a good question. What are the most downloaded sticker packs? Uh, people love the polar bear. Okay. I think the number one pack are these little unicorn poop emojis. <laughs> okay. Uh, the I keep pin, at it The more. pins do really well. Or, sorry, buttons. Pins. Buttons. Oh yeah, that's actually buttons? like a little character. Yeah, they're the same thing. Like they're characters that are buttons. Yeah, they're little button people. <laughs> that was an idea for me. Like, it's because okay. I was walking down the street in New York, and I saw graffiti that's like cute as a button. I was like, that's such a good concept for some IP. Our little button people that are cute, and that's how okay. the little button people pack came to life. Cute. So that one's been doing pretty well. There's a weird amount of poop emojis. There are a lot of poop emojis. They do. Uh, they do really packs. well. 
Because like we'll look at our search volume and poop you know what? I think I think I know why. There's only one poop emoji. There's no like other options. It's only one expression, only one color, only one everything. We added a bunch. You guys have created new <laughs> types of expression with poop emoji. <laughs> All right, last question. If you could only use one sticker, if you could only have one sticker on your phone that you could use, what would it be? Wow. Yeah, kind of like the little button people. The button people? Yeah. Is it one sticker or one pack? One sticker. Just one. Pack is cheating. What expression of button person? Which button person? I guess I changed my answer. I feel like I'd have to go for one of the poop emojis too. Okay, poop emoji. Because it's more obnoxious in a chat to just bombard someone's chat. <laughs> obnoxious with poop, poop emoji. Okay. My, I think my favorite is this. Uh, there's this gif of this um, this this, this like a little kid dancing. I think that's my favorite. I like it. Yeah, yeah. it's energetic. It's the, I just fun. like it. And the polar bear is maybe second to that. The dancing polar bear. So there's a dancing trend going on here, but. Those are, those cool. are, I like it. Yeah.